have our reading from Scripture now, and then after that, Mia's going to preach. The reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 9. Starting at verse 1. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall upon all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air, upon every creature that moves along the ground, and upon all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal. And from each man, too, I will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and decrease upon it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. This is the word of the Lord. relationship with his creatures. We ask now that we would be aware of the enormity of your love for us and that you would show us what it means to be people who are called to be in a covenant relationship 
with you. And we ask this to the glory of the name of Jesus. Amen. Wait a moment, there's a beautiful picture I'd like you to see before we start. There we are. Buzz Aldrin was part of the Apollo 11 moon landing. It was the first um, landing on the moon. And uh, a few months ago, he said this. He said, the pictures... We and our fellow lunar astronauts have taken of the moon and the earth change forever the concept of our place in the universe. We saw the earth as alone, fragile, and in need of protecting and preserving. These images help to give birth to the environmental movement. That is a picture up there of what's called an earth rise. It's seeing the earth rise from the moon. Uh, one of you said to me the other day, after seeing my name next to this talk, they said, so you'll be talking about the green agenda, will you? And I rather sanctimoniously said, no, I'll be preaching Jesus. Because church, you know, you're not called to be the religious wing of the Green Party. You are God's plan to set before our world his essential promise of humanity and creation renewed. God in Jesus was reconciling the whole world to himself, and he's relying on you to model it. It's not about the green agenda. It's about Jesus, and it's about his victory. So here's where we're going this morning. Firstly, um, I'd like to look at Jesus and what the cross has to say about humanity and creation restored. Then we look at the calling of humanity to steward the earth. And then we look at the specific calling of the church to model the new creation before looking at three areas in which you might want to live out your priestly identity. So, Jesus, humanity, church. Got that? Brilliant. Okay, let's go. Right, John 3.16 says what? Anybody? You're not as good as nine o'clock, I tell you. <laughs> yeah. God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus. Not God loved exclusively the human race, so he spent, sent Jesus, but God loved the world the whole of creation. He made planet Earth. He put humanity and authority over the land. And then he watched us ruin it. After the flood, he recommissioned us. And finally, he stepped into the life of our planet as one of us. On the cross, Jesus secured the liberation of the whole of creation. Romans 8.21 says this, The creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. I think what this is saying is that the cross doesn't exclusively deal with your personal sin, although that is part of it. It encompasses healing the heart of creation, all the stuff you didn't cause by your choices, such as 
genetic mutations which cause degenerative diseases or weather systems which destroy creatures and uh, livestock and habitats or land which isn't fruitful. One day the whole of creation will be brought under the authority of God's reconciling purposes. But that doesn't mean, in the meantime, that the planet doesn't matter, which brings us to our second point. Humanity is priestly by design. So a quick summary of our passage. After the flood, um, we see God's charge to um, the remnant of humanity to be fruitful. And he tells them that the fear of them will fill all creatures and that humanity is responsible for them. God is reminding them of their interdependence, the interrelatedness between humanity and creation as a whole. Humanity is part of a cosmic order established by God, and he warns us to respect life, especially human life, because humanity carries the image of God. And he then covenants with all living creatures, not just people. Interesting that, isn't it? He covenants with all living creatures that he'll never destroy life again, and he recommissions us, humanity, following our failure to be stewards of creation. My Jewish friend tells me that this is the only passage that non-Jews have to pay attention to in the whole of Scripture. Um, He said that's because this is the only passage where God is making a covenant with everyone. Whether we believe that or not, it certainly indicates that we need to pay attention to what this passage is saying to us. Human beings are priestly creatures by design. We are standing in a gap between God and his world, and we are representing the world to God and God to the world. It's our vocation to care for the life of the earth and to use it wisely. Now, we haven't always got that right, but God keeps his covenants even when we do not. And church, you are part of his plan for creation, which brings us to our third point, that the church is called to model the new creation. As human beings, you're in the gap between creation and God, but you know, children of God, Your calling is even more amazing than that. You are a new creation. So you stand in the gap between the old creation and the new creation. And you have to show the world what the new creation is going to look like. It's your calling to be a signpost to God's ultimate purposes, to demonstrate that future that God has planned. So I'd like to tell you about this church, Frau and Kika in Dresden. At the end of the Second World War, this is what it looked like. It had been heavily bombed by the Allies, and the communist government thereafter left it as literally a bomb site, as you can see. When communism fell, they decided to rebuild the cathedral, exactly as it had been but with all the mod cons such as um, central heating, Wi-Fi, proper loos. And if you have a look at this picture, those dark bits of brick you can see are taken from the original building and have been placed in the new creation. I think that's a great picture of what we're called to do. Everything you build will last. 
Tom Wright says this, you're not oiling the wheels of a machine that's about to fall off a cliff. You are not restoring a painting that's about to be thrown on the fire. You are not planting roses in a garden that's going to be dug up for a building site. You are accomplishing something which will become, in due course, part of God's new creation. Which is amazing. And it's exciting. Are you up for that, for demonstrating to the world what the new creation looks like? Great, because if you'd said no, I don't know where I would have gone with this. (laughs) So here are three things, then, I'd like us to consider. And the first thing is this. Just as God keeps and sustains humanity, we are called to keep and sustain creation. Whatever you do to enhance the well-being of the environment matters. At Soul Purpose last year, can you just uh, wave a hand, soul servants, anyone here? I can see you. Yeah, brilliant. At Soul, soul Purpose last year, um, the young people took on this, this astonishing garden. It belonged to a lady who um, was about to lose her contract with Sevenside because her garden was so dreadful, and she couldn't keep on top of it. She, she was a very vulnerable lady, and the young people went in there, and the first thing they did was to remove sofas and carpets with grass growing over them. And the second thing they did was to take about 30 sacks of um, rubbish to uh, truckloads of rubbish to the tip. They did all of this in the pouring rain. They cleared that garden in order to bless that community with a vision of what the new creation might look like. I know there are people in this church who are passionate about doing things like growing wildflower meadows to attract bees and butterflies, or people who bring along produce such as, as lavender posies for other people to enjoy. We need to celebrate and tend the earth, even if it will soon be overgrown again. Have we got any gardeners here? Anyone like doing the garden? Do you know what? It tells us in Genesis, doesn't it, that that weeds and having to work really hard on your garden is part of the fall. So check this thing out, right? Every time you do the garden, you are giving the enemy a big kicking. Well done, mighty warriors. Keep going. One day, weeds will not exist. But you know, my my first question is this, what will you be doing this week to enhance the land? Can you plant something? Can you do the garden? Can you pick up litter from your street? Or maybe if you can't do that, can you enjoy some fresh produce? Or can you look at a beautiful landscape and give thanks for the one who created it and for those who tend the land. The second question I have for you concerns the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath principle ensures that creation has an opportunity to rest. That doesn't just mean you. That means creation has an opportunity to rest from our consumption. So my second question is this. What can you do to allow creation a rest from your consumption. You could maybe join in the Meat Free Mondays movement, or you might want to buy your fruit and veg from a local supplier in season. Or you might have a car-free day, or you might sign up to Free Cycle to pass on unwanted items. 
And the third thing I want you to think about this is I'd like you to remember that your enjoyment should not be at the expense of others. Our passage tells us that life is sacred, human life in a particular way, and we should respect that. We should enjoy without destroying. I once spoke to a clergyman from Bury Diocese in Kenya, and he told me about one of his parishioners who was a coffee farmer. And this gentleman had got a, a crop of coffee one year, and he'd taken it to the um, middleman, to the agent, to sell at market for him. And the trader had taken his cut, and the coffee grower got nothing. Not a penny. I think we need to think about the human cost of this. Fair trade coffee doesn't just ensure that they get a decent wage. Sometimes it ensures they get a wage at all. We cannot afford not to buy fair trade coffee. Now you might want to think about your clothes. I've been quite challenged by this recently. Where do my clothes come from? An unstable sweatshop in Bangladesh? You know, in the West, we've got power as consumers. Let's use it to demonstrate what the reconciliation of all things might look like. Now, I'm going to conclude now, but I want to say this. Often, as preachers, we um, stand here and we give you a lot of motivational suggestions, right? And that's, that's kind of okay, because most of us need that. Um, but for some of us, life is very difficult indeed. I know that some of you um, are on the wrong end of creation gone wrong um, with illness or frailty or, or insecurity. If that's you, then know this. The victory of God on the cross guarantees that one day all things will be made new. In the new creation, death, suffering, pain, crying are going to have expired. There's just going to be no room for them. And our priestly duty then will turn into victory. There is hope for creation, even in the darkest of circumstances. So do pray for the coming of God's kingdom on earth, in which the whole of creation will be delivered from evil to the praise of the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Mia. Thank you so much. So what I want you to do now is to have a little bit of a think about that, about that sermon that you've just heard. Think about what struck you most about uh, that sermon. What uh, is an easy thing you can do in response to that sermon? And what's a more challenging thing you can do in response to that? Feel free to have a natter with somebody next to you, or you can sit quietly if that's what you want to do. But it's those three things. What struck you most? What's an easy thing you can do? And what's a difficult, a more challenging or difficult thing you can do in response? So you can chat, or you can just think for a moment or two. Go for it. <laughs>